0: Welcome to the Voce Nation Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Voce Nation Podcast. Welcome to the Voce Nation
0: Podcast. Welcome to the Voce Nation Podcast. Welcome to the Voce Nation Podcast. Welcome, Welcome everyone, to the Voce Nation Podcast, Episode 5. I'm your co-host, Randy Ksar, and joined by me today is Chris Silk, as always. Welcome, Silk. Hello. And today we have a very special guest. Joe Cothrell from Lithium, uh, welcome, Joe.
2: Thanks. So Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, we're, we're super excited uh, for you to be here. Uh, we used to uh, used to be a vendor of mine back in my Motorola days, so uh, super excited to kind of hear the latest and greatest uh, on community and, and how that's evolved. Because ever since I started, uh, I think lots has been happening, um, not only from a community strategy perspective, but also from a, a Lithium perspective. Um, so, uh, we'll just start off with just a few housekeeping items and then we'll get into a quick intro about who you are, what you do. And then we got a, a bunch of questions and a good conversation coming on. All right. So for any of you that, uh, have questions for us or that want to take a look at our blog with the most recent, uh, digital and social media news as well as uh, PR news, take a look at voce and follow us, uh, at, at Vocenation. And uh, we'll just get started now with uh, with our interview with Joe. So Joe, uh, you're based out of Chicago. And uh, for those of uh, that don't know who Joe is, uh, Joe works for Lithium. Uh, and you know I think Joe probably would explain Lithium better, but from my perspective, it is one of the top community platforms that are out there. Um, and I don't know if community is the right word anymore. It's so much more than that. Um, and it really, uh, Allows for engagement on your own site, um, as well as pushing out to other social channels. Um, but Joe, why don't you uh, give people um, an understanding of who you are and, uh, and what you do, and then they'll get to take it
2: from there. Sounds good. Thanks, Randy. Uh, so I'm Chief Community Officer at Lithium, and. And, you know, your description is uh, is accurate, maybe not 100% complete in terms of what lithium is. Um, it, we do use the word community. Um, more often these days, we use the word total community because it includes not just what's on your website, but wherever your customers are talking about you. So the 100% focus on external audiences, customers, partners, et cetera, and on what we call on-domain or off-domain, right, on your own website or wherever your customers are. Could be Facebook, could be Twitter, could be YouTube, could be third party communities. And we create tools that help brands uh, manage and interact with those communities wherever they are. So yeah. that's, that's, that's our business. Uh, and then as Chief Community Officer, we can talk a little bit about my role. I've been with yeah. Lithium for 10 years next month. So um, I'm an old timer.
0: What, what do you uh, get? What do you get at 10 years? Do you get like a little? I don't little know. That's, or? A, that's,
2: that's a good question. I think uh, I think my I get my um, uh, stock options expire. <laughs> that's
1: the way I so as
2: work. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, uh, it's kind of nice. You know, uh, there's only a handful of us have been here this long, including some of the founders. So now we're 400 people. We were only 25 when I started. So. Uh, so it's great. It's great, great place to be, and uh, nice to be in a position to, you know, be working with customers and and working with our teams. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that's me. Thanks. Cool. Go ahead, Phil.
1: So, uh, Joe, tell us. You know, you explained some of it there, but tell us, like, one thing that people wouldn't get about uh, you or about your job that uh, that they may not get by looking at your at your LinkedIn profile.
2: Got it. Yeah, uh, there's a lot you wouldn't get by look at, looking at my LinkedIn profile. Actually, I haven't devoted a lot of attention to it. You know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm kind of a wonk. You know, I'm uh, I'm not selling me or anything else. <laughs> I'm busy <laughs> engaged in my business. Um, but one thing, kind of interesting thing, is my first job uh, out of school was actually reviewing computer games um, for uh, home computing. Uh, consoles this was back in 1982 and uh, that's when I started getting into computing and I remember at the time thinking wow it's such a shame that I'm getting into this so late because <laughs> <laughs> because I've missed all the fun so
1: <laughs> it was kind of
2: an interesting now reflecting back on that right the internet wasn't even didn't even exist so it's kind of funny to think yeah uh, We almost always think of ourselves as being behind, right? Right. uh, The best is almost always yet to come.
1: So what was, sorry, what was it like reviewing computer games? I'm assuming these were the kind of games that came on like three, five and a quarter inch discs to play play the equivalent of Flappy Bird.
2: (laughs) That's right. Exactly. They actually came in, they would come in a Ziploc bag, and uh it would, you know, usually the documentation was like Xeroxed or something. And then it, it came on a cassette, like a like an audio cassette. Oh. Nice. Um the, the machine that uh that I reviewed games for was a Texas instruments machine, the TI ninety nine four A. So this was back in the early days with Atari.
0: That's amazing. Oh yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> There's still a user group. <laughs> 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 the TI ninety nine four A guys. So but uh, so that's how long I've been involved in computing in some form or fashion, uh, and that's not on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> so
1: that's that's fantastic, though. Yeah, it should um, be. You should
0: definitely add it. Add it. That's a little should, a bit really of information. Should. Just drop it in uh, there and uh, see what kind of conversations start. Uh,
1: so, Joe, what is your uh, what is your day kind of look like? You don't have to go into detail, but you know, what are the big the big buckets of your day?
2: Yeah, so uh, I often say I was Lithium's first management consultant, if you will. I was the first person hired to help our customers understand not what does the product do, but what you should do with it, and what happens when you use it, and how many people you need, and how you measure results, and literally any of those questions. were what I answered. I mean, I came out of management consulting. I was with Ernst & Young for five years, and I was with Anderson for five years. So that was my background. Hmm. Um, But I took this role, chief community officer, gosh, it's been more than five years, five or six years ago. Um, And now my role is really three parts. Now we have probably 50 people around the world who do what I was the only person to do back in 2006. So I work with them. I'm kind of a consultant to the consultants. So they will call me in if they're confronted with a new use case or an unusual situation that they want to know, have we ever seen this before? So I kind of serve them in that respect. Sometimes I'm a uh, advisor on projects. I need to keep engaged, right? Because this is my area. And so if I'm not actually doing it every single day, then, you know, my, my knowledge gets stale. So I'm usually engaged in, you know, five to 10 customers at any given point in time on small or big projects. Um, The second thing I do is kind of what we call thought leadership um, and that's sort of the writing and speaking. I did a book uh, last year with Dave Evans uh, on our team called Social Customer Experience. So, you know, advocating, uh, educating uh, role. Uh, I also do uh, develop training courses. So I developed our community management certification. We have two levels of certification now. Um, And I, I tend to deliver those for the first year in partnership with our consultants. Uh, and then I hand it off, uh, to them. And then the third piece I do is actually also support the sales organization because you know, if we're in with a company, large company, that's never done this before in some industries are just starting. Sometimes it's good to talk to somebody who's been doing it for 20 years, um, because you might think it's brand new, but as you guys know, their companies have been doing this for 20 years or more, uh, in some industries. And so being able to come in and deliver that insight, and tell people we've done this hundreds of times um, and we can be a good partner for you is is valuable. So it's a real mix uh, and it's a global role. So I work as much with our Singapore office as I do with the guys at HQ.
1: That's really interesting. Um, so I think you kind of described it, but talk about where the community manager role lies within the organization. Do you... Do you deal with marketing? Do you deal with customer service? All of the above?
2: Yeah, it, it all depends on, um, you know, where community lives in that organization and or what the company is doing with it. Um, you know, it's sometimes is support, probably half of our customers, maybe slightly half, less than half um, are support focused. Um, probably the rest of them are, are, most of them are marketing focused, and there's a small percentage that are hundred percent ideation almost everybody does ideation um and sometimes that's just owned by the product organization uh but but more commonly it's a component of a larger community effort that might be owned operationally by marketing or by uh support so it's just different in every organization you know when i started doing this 15 years ago Marketing owned it because marketing were the first people to get the internet, right? Um, so they kind of dragged everyone else in, kicking and screaming and then when the dot-com bust happened It fell out of fashion and so marketing went on to other things and support in many of work Organizations I work with support took over and they made it an operation and they professionalized it and and then when Facebook and social networks rolled around It got sexy again, right? So then support came back in Um, And so we see a real mix today, you know, um, owned by support in in many organizations, owned by marketing in many others, and then um, then a small percentage owned by product. Uh, And it works, you know, it works in any of those combinations. It works best when it's multifunctional, frankly, because as you guys know, community can accomplish a lot of goals. Uh, And if you're in a corner and you're just focused on, for example, call deflection, you're just not going to get the most out of this
0: effort. So when you guys first started, you know, the, the definition of community manager was very different and very siloed, right? And, and now it's, I mean, look at your title that you have. I mean, you're a vendor, so that's a little different, but even at, at a client, you know, um, say that we support, it's not necessarily a community manager per se, um, but it's, you know, all encompassing. And the community also involves social, right? So it's like you, you guys are saying that the the owned and the sorry on domain and off domain as you were saying uh, is really key um, to that to that specific role right.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And you think about it, it didn't exist before five or six years ago. That off domain community management role. Sometimes we saw brands active in third party communities, but so that's a whole part of the discipline that just was created over the last four or five years, five six years. Yeah, I mean, um, so it's, it's
0: a sorry. But, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, the first communities that I can think of from way back in the days, whether it was CompuServe or Prodigy, right? I mean, those were the original where yeah. you dial in 1200 baud modem. Oh,
2: yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I was, were- a, I was a CompuServe user. We actually have one community running on lithium that began in 1989 on CompuServe. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That <laughs> still the same part. community. It's the Autodesk's community. Wow. Yeah? I didn't realize that. began in the wow. late 80s. It's pretty good. That may be the oldest continuously operating enterprise community. And they do the a world. great
0: job. I mean.
2: Fun. It's, it's a phenomenal community. Yeah. yeah. yeah, One of the best.
0: Totally. Yeah. I've been to their office down in San Francisco at their, um, um, what do they call it, the uh, the press center, the uh, kind of briefing room area um, right off one market. Amazing Yeah, yeah. I love the little
2: museum they have there where they've got the yeah. products.
0: Phil, next time you come, we should definitely,
2: we should I'm definitely come. I'm game. I'm totally good. Sounds like,
0: sounds like a plan. All right. Um, so a few questions from me in terms of the way that you consult the, way, the advice that you give out to clients, uh, is there a particular reoccurring thing that just kind of keeps on popping up? And I guess it depends on whether the clients is, is more knowledgeable or not. Um, let's take someone that's just starting new with say adopting lithium or, or, community in general and taking on that role? Is there something reoccurring that you kind of need to tell them like, all oh, right, let's take a step back. This is what you should do first.
2: Yeah. Um, and there are certain things you don't know if you haven't done this before. One of the things that people often don't know is how e- unequal community participation is. Um, they don't realize that every community is essentially every brand community, every community of any scale yeah. is in general, very unequal. You got lots of people at any given point in time are looking and you've got a relatively small percentage of people who are actively engaged. Because sometimes a company might think everybody who comes is going to join and participate. And if that's their expectation, they're always going to be disappointed, right? And the community manager is always going to be in the hot seat. You know, why aren't you getting people to participate? I get um, less so these days, but I used to get a lot of calls from people saying, I can't get my customers to participate, or my customers don't want to participate. But when I looked at the numbers, they had no chance of even succeeding. There literally were not enough eyeballs on that community to to even give them a chance to succeed. And so all their effort to um, with features and design and community management, all wasted, all wasted, because they, the numbers did not work. And so, you know, even though we know that, you know, community is about, psychology and motivation and all the rest of that stuff it is also fundamentally about numbers and if the numbers are working for you you're in a much better position than if the numbers are working against you and most of our customers are very big brands and most of our customers have a lot of customers and a lot of web traffic and so it's a simple thing frankly a lot of it is simply getting them in a position where they're getting enough people in the top of the funnel to allow community to happen um, in a weird way, it's got nothing to do with community. It's, a, it's marketing, right?
0: Yes, it's, yeah, it's marketing one yeah. on. <laughs> yeah,
2: Exactly right. And, and it's so funny how often people struggle with that because they simply don't get that. If I don't get you know, that early participation, then the community is never going to grow. You know, Once you get that critical mass of content, then, and it's a public community, the search engines are going to kick in. And eventually for most of the, our public communities, you're getting most of your traffic from search after six months, yeah. but if you can't get through the first hour, day, week, etc., you don't get there. You never get there. So yeah. that's the kind of stuff people don't know if they haven't done it before. You guys know it, but yeah, many companies don't. Know. So
0: <laughs> I just want to record. that. I want to take that snippet of the <laughs> uh, what, we, what you just said and repeat that for all of our clients. Um, well, it's uh, it, it's uh, no, definitely uh, you have great wisdom obi-wan so thank you uh, <laughs> for, for for that i mean it, it's so true um i think definitely taking a step back uh and, and trying to understand you know we talk a lot about messaging and what the narrative is um and that kind of plays into everything on, on all the different channels that we support um so that's definitely a very similar methodology that, that we work with in some of the communities that we uh, are, are managing
2: i always tell people if you tell me that you're going to get you know, 10,000 people to come to the front page of the community tomorrow, I can tell you with 100% accuracy how many people will join and participate. And my answer is not zero. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's going to be some conversion. I mean, yeah. and then your task is just to say, how do we improve that conversion and get it into the space where people are actually interacting? But, but the, literally the answer, not zero, is true 100% of the time. Right
1: so no so that actually leads to, to my next question, which is what how do you measure what's the best way to measure a community's health what's the overarching philosophy? What should companies be looking for when they're evaluating how well a community is uh, is reacting and behaving?
2: Uh, yeah, I think that it's a good question, and we spent a lot of time at lithium looking at this and working on this and developing formulas, et cetera. And I think the first thing to understand is that health is not success from a brand community perspective. You can have a very healthy community where people are coming and participating that could still not be achieving your business goals. And so I think that's the first distinction we make is health is not success, but health is a precondition for success in general. If your community isn't engaging people and growing and et cetera, in general, you're not gonna be creating the business value that you're looking for at the end of the day. So so we do focus a lot on how do we get you to health. Um, About five years ago, we developed a a score called the Community Health Index. And there's actually a white paper on our website um, that if you're having trouble sleeping, uh, some nights you might wanna (laughs) crack open. I want
0: to be that's your coworker that wrote it. Did you write our,
2: that? <laughs> no, no, he he knows it. Uh, okay. he's, our chief, <laughs> he's our chief scientist who is a brilliant guy. Brilliant I remember, guy. I
0: remember meeting him. I can't Michael remember. What his name? Yeah, Michael Wu. Dr.
2: Right. Michael Wu, brilliant guy. And and he created this, but we collaborated a lot on it. Um, and basically the problem he was trying to solve, is how do I look across, really look at any community and understand how healthy it is. And, and, and one of the things he educated me about was he said, you know, intuitively we tend to believe that communities that are big are healthy because it seems like there's a lot going on, but a big community can actually be unhealthy. And what we did was he created this algorithm using our community data. And I always say we played, you know, uh, uh, a hundred rounds of, um, Kasparov versus deep blue. Where he would show me a community and he would say does this look healthy to you and then he'd show me the data and he'd say here's why it's not you know or or he'd say you were right and uh and so we developed this uh algorithm called the community health index or this this index that actually is six different factors um and the important thing about it is and i can go we could spend a whole hour on this but the important thing about it is it's both retrospective and forward looking um, there are some metrics that look at your data and what you've accomplished so far, but there are other metrics that we understand correlate to successful communities. Sort of the statistical fingerprint for a community, I should say healthy communities, community that grows. I-, I I equate health with growth. You know, If you go to the doctor and the doctor says you're healthy, he means you're going to be healthy tomorrow. There's a predictive aspect to it, right? Yeah. Um, and so there's gotta be a predictive aspect to, to health, uh, to any health measurement and that's the you know, three health factors, the three predictive health factors. Like for example, one of the things we know about a healthy community is on average, you're getting an answer to a question or a first reply to a new thread on average, no longer than one day, right? We're not talking about what satisfies users because users probably want an answer much quicker than that, but we're talking about as a system, your community, if you take longer on average than a day to answer a question, you're not going to grow in general ever, right? You're going to stagnate or you're going to decline. So we use a set of metrics like that to measure you at any stage against all other communities and you get a score in the lithium network from zero to a thousand and um, that's 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 Kai. What we call Kai community analytics.
0: Yeah. Follow up question to analytics. Um, in terms of, it's not something that organizations think about. Um, you know, they, they, they purchase uh, the community platform. Uh, they they have a community strategy. You yeah, hopefully they do. Um, but in terms of of getting other people outside of their immediate organization to understand. The nature of analytics how do you um kind of spread that 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 necessity but also that that uh what do you call it uh, that, that's the analytics culture in a company
2: i think it's a good question um, and i think it's really about understanding reporting not so much analytics um, because that sharing of data is a reporting process and, and the key message there is: reporting is always about numbers and stories. Um, it's sort of like Congress, right? How does anything happen in Congress? Well, if you know you commission a report and you drop that big, you know, report on somebody's desk, it may get a lot of attention, but it's not going to make anything happen, right? If you bring in a citizen who testifies and talks about how painful this is, and you know. That alone is not going to get anything done either, because you need the data behind it. It's those two things that make Congress work. They commission studies, and then they get testimony. Likewise, inside organizations, you need the data, but you must tell people why the data is important and what it means. And I and I see so often when people share data, they're just sharing the numbers. And, and I always say, if you share the numbers without the stories, the best thing that can happen is they'll make up their own stories and actually that's not a good outcome right because we've all had that people look at metrics and they say i think we ought to have five times as many registrations right that's the story they'll make up we have you know a million customers why don't we have five hundred thousand registered members and if they make that story up and then and your job is to accomplish that story you're gonna be in trouble so i think that that's the the main lesson that we talk about in our certification is you have to educate when you report, and and you should be thoughtful about the numbers you share, and um, and you should never share something you don't understand, right? Um, although it's okay to share something to prompt a, to prompt a conversation to say why why is this? The other thing I think too is mostly what people are interested in. What are our users saying? And so often a community will put out a report that's all numbers. Here's how many page views we got. Nobody in business knows what the hell a page view means unless you're in you know, media, Um, (laughs) they know what registrations mean because every business person understands what acquisition is and they have some sense that when I get someone to register, I've created value. But it's that kind of, I think process you have to go through with your own organization to say, what's meaningful to us? How does the business think about itself? What kinds of insights and metrics have currency inside our business? And then go to the community metrics and say, what do I have? What can I share that actually? we will we'll tell these, the stories that, that have currency inside our organization. Does that yeah, make sense?
0: Yeah, no, it totally does. Um, so uh, we're going to go on to kind of how you keep up with the industry. Some of those uh, questions. That, and you know, over the years, uh, we've talked about the community manager role has changed. Uh, the industry has changed uh, the way the expectations of consumers have changed. Uh, so, the first question in terms of keeping up with the industry how what events do you attend? you said you're on you've done some thought leadership and speaking. What are some of the ones that you they that you speak at as well as attend as kind of a you know take a step back and just learning
2: Well, you know, it's really interesting because i I talked about the cycle of this stuff you know it was in fashion, out of fashion. I actually think that the community around community management is more active today than it's been in more than a decade. Um, When you think about events that exist today, like the CMX events, like the Sprint conferences run by the Fever B B folks, like the, you know, community leadership conference, um, you know, like forums, uh, um, the forums conferences in San Francisco every year. There's a set of conferences that are happening now that that literally did not exist five years ago. Um, And so that's exciting to me. Um, You know, I've been doing it for 20 years. So, you know, there's a lot that I'm going to hear in these conferences that I I heard 20 years ago. Um, But that's okay, because a whole new generation of folks are getting educated about what this stuff is and what it means. Um, And they're a little unpredictable, you know, you can go to the same event in the spring, you know, in San Francisco. So CMX does San Francisco in New York, they're doing New York next month, I'll be there. Sprint does San Francisco in London. And you can go to the same event twice in a year, and one will be breathtakingly interesting. And the same event, you know, six months later is, you know, will, will be nothing of interest to me. So huh. it's a little spotty. And, and also, I have a very narrow interest community is much bigger then, I mean, I'm just about brand communities. That's all I do. Internal employee communities, you know, communities for nonprofits. Um, there's a whole world of communities I know nothing about. Yeah. And aren't of I could learn something from, but so, that's my, yeah. That's what my
0: next question is. What is one thing that uh, you were looking to learn in, in 2016? Is it a particular vertical in terms of like, say nonprofits and learn more about how those communities work or is there a particular technology that you want to learn more about?
2: Uh, There's something happening both on the market side and the technology side. Um, You know, it's been interesting to track industries because they're coming online at different times with this. I mean, I believe this started for me as a research project at Anderson in the late nineties. And I immediately saw that every company was going to be doing this. It was, I wasn't, lots of people saw it at the time, but, (laughs) um, but it's, taking much longer. It's like a generation long change that's happening. Uh, High tech and media and entertainment started 20 years ago. Uh, Telecom started 10 years ago because they were the first internet service providers. So that's why they were so early. Retail started seriously five years ago. Financial services started two years ago. Public utilities just started six months ago. So different industries are at different stages of maturity. And there's some that's not hardly happening at all Industrial, you know, Caterpillar is one of our customers. Still very oh, yeah. really, somewhat limited there, so we're always looking at the next industries emerging, but also trying to get current industries to the next place. So I spend a lot of time with retail now because retail is maturing in a serious way. But I'm also looking at the new ones because I'm fascinated by solving those problems. And then the and then the technology is changing as well. Um, you know, we bought Clout about a year and a half ago. I don't yeah. know if you recall that.
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah, Um, yeah. yeah.
2: And that's uh, starting to make its way. It's always been almost from the first day we started adding to the product, but it's starting to make a pretty big impact on the product. Um, And in this way, we're using that cloud algorithm, not the score so much as the interest and expertise profiles. We're using that to profile users and communities, so that we can actually get a reading on what people are interested in and what people know about um, in a uh, synthesized way, not because I've read all your messages, but because I've used this algorithm to analyze that. And so that's never been possible in communities before. And the other thing about that is, too, we can use that data to personalize your experience. So you can show up, and let's just say you've just been browsing for a few weeks, you might show up one day and we 're just showing you the stuff you're interested in because we've analyzed your viewing data and and we're guessing trying to make good guesses about the stuff that's interesting to you, so that is brand new, and that to me is really interesting. Uh, I could go on about that for a long time too <laughs> uh,
0: Phil go ahead uh,
1: so moving toward the toward the end here. Um, what do you follow? What do you, you know, what kind of things do you keep track of? What Twitter lists do you subscribe to? Anything like that? Or, uh, you know, basically, how are you, what's your daily reading routine, I guess? Yeah.
2: Uh, that's a good question. Obviously, the lithium community is number one. We have our own community. And so that's the first thing I check every single morning to see what questions are people asking. And some of it's public in our community. Some of it is limited to customers and some of it's employees. And so that's the first place that I stop. I also follow the CMX group on uh, on um, Facebook, Facebook. Which, I, which I think is a pretty good uh, list. I also participate in the Fever Bee community, the guys who do the Sprint uh, conference. I follow that pretty closely. Um, I listen to some podcasts. Patrick O'Keefe's podcast is pretty good. Scott Moore's pro, uh, and Randy Farmer's podcast is pretty good. Um
0: Are they started one? Uh, I didn't realize that. I used to work with Randy. uh They've had
2: one. Yeah, they've had one for quite a while, actually. It it's, uh, starts and stops a little bit, but they've done some really good stuff. Cool. So, like I say, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I love the stuff the community roundtable does. Their interests are broader than ours because they're not just customer communities, but but they do some interesting stuff. Um, so there's a lot to follow. Um, and then there's starting to some academic work that's that's interesting out there too. I think marketing science is beginning to catch up with this stuff, which is taking taking an incredibly long time. I think so. Uh, so i'm i'm starting to monitor that stuff a little bit and, and then there are other areas that are interesting too like i heard a great podcast the other day on information architecture um, by one of the uh authors of o'reilly's big book on information architecture so i'm watching these adjacent spaces you know community we're in a big community redesigned phase around mobile and responsive and there's a lot we don't know about what works and doesn't work and so i'm watching that really closely because that's super important we got to get to this next generation Ideally, with a bump in all the key conversion metrics, not with a penalty because we didn't know what was coming so so that i'm even though it's not community specific, I'm following the design world pretty closely and also what our customers are doing on that, so that's kind of what I'm looking at today, mostly cool. keeps me busy <laughs> yeah, yes. that sounds
1: like it yeah,
0: the headphones are always in it sounds like
2: they are yes, my wife would <laughs> as my wife would tell you. <laughs> To her, to her chagrin. Anything else?
0: Yeah. Uh, so we uh, we sent out a, a weekly newsletter uh, geared towards students that are looking to get into to PR and, and digital and social. Um, what is some advice, words of wisdom that you have for someone say that is graduating and wants to get into this field?
2: Well, let me tell you a story that has nothing to do with community. Uh, it's how, um, The GM of the Detroit Tigers got his job. He was in college. uh, I think he was at like uh, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan University. And he was in grad school and he loved baseball. He was an obsessed baseball fan. And so he did his master's thesis on the role of the general manager in baseball. And so he started cold calling general managers in baseball to say, I'm just a humble student. Would you speak to me about the work that you do? Blah, blah, blah. And he ended up interviewing you know, huge number of GMs in baseball. And of course through the course of that and made some friends, he got invited to the winter meetings. He got a part-time job, his first job with the White Sox as a gopher. And today he's GM of the Tigers, you know, and he understands that role better than anybody else. I really do think research is a great entree into whatever discipline you're interested in. And as a student, particularly if you're in college, to to find something you're interested in and to start a research project to learn at a minimum it goes on your resume if you're lucky maybe you meet some folks i mean that's how i got into this it was a research how i got into communities is a research project i did at anderson i mean i'd been involved in computing but i got fascinated with communities and i was able to you know find some companies that would sponsor the research and uh, so so i think research even if you're not in school you're just independent you know there's plenty of opportunity to find out what's going on out there i mean what's happening with b2b communities why aren't more people sharing the insights and the unique aspects of communities there's a hunger for that out there if somebody set up a blog on b2b communities and started really contributing something valuable everyone would know about that so so that's what i i mean maybe it's just my own bias as a as a you know researcher in my past but i i love that as a way to learn to share and to get involved in the community of folks who are doing the stuff you want to do.
0: That's great advice. Very nice. All right. Um, That's kind of uh, all the questions we had for today.
2: Yeah, Um, very uh, good. uh, Well, thank you so much for the invite. I really uh, love talking about this stuff as you can probably tell.
1: So Joe, before we let you go, uh let me channel uh, uh John Lovitz as Harvey Firestein on Saturday Night Live here and 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 say plug away um you know where can we follow you what can where can we follow lithium uh tell us where to keep up with uh with what's going on in your world
2: i think there's a ton of stuff uh first of all i i uh, i tweet at at Cothrell. so that's probably the best place to keep up with the stuff that i'm seeing and that i'm finding interesting I've started to do a little stuff on Medium, um, so I'm out there as well. I do blog on our own uh, uh, on Lithium.com. Probably, you know, following that Lithium universe of people, me and my colleagues, is the best place to keep up with the things that I'm interested in. And, um, yeah, and then if you're obviously attending events, I always love to meet people who are doing this stuff. So make sure if I'm there, you introduce yourself and, and make a connection.
0: Great. Well, thank you very take much. It. All right, Appreciate thank you time guys. time and, and uh, good luck, and maybe we'll see you at CMX in, uh, in New York.
2: Sounds good. Yeah, hope to hope to see you there.
0: All right, we'll take care. All right, thanks, guys. Yep. Bye. Thank you.